who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King. And this is the Downtown Riders Jam video podcast, which is part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Max and Dog and I are coming to you from deep inside the newly remodeled Jam Bunker. He is currently asleep under the desk, which is his new favorite place to be, which means this is my new favorite place to be. Really excited to have on the program today, Nikki Smith. So I interviewed her episode 72 in the middle of the pandemic and her first book, all in her head was fantastic, like absolutely fantastic. One of the best um, suspense thrillers that I read last year. So I'm really happy to have her on the program today talking about her new book, Look What You Made Me Do, which is out in Europe right now in all of the forms. So Nikki studied English literature at Birmingham University before she went into this finance career. And we talked about this a lot on the original program, so we're not going to get into that. But she's sort of in this career and reaches this moment where she's got to make a decision about what she's going to do. And she applies for this Curtis Brown uh, creative course where she begins working on her first book, which then goes on to sort of change the trajectory of her life. Um, and now she's writing. So she lives near Guilford with her family and her cat who thinks she's a dog, which is interesting because my dog believes he is a cat. So before we get to all of that stuff today, you know, we got a little business to get through. We're going to do it really quickly. So the jam is now out every Wednesday. That's our hour long program. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you get subscribed, subscribed or subscribed, whichever one you want to do. There's a couple things you can do to help us spread the word. First, tell your friends about us. And second, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, head over there and leave us a written review of the show. That's the best way for us to be found. You can also head over to Facebook and leave us a review on our page, or you can go to our website, thewritersjam.com, and leave us a testimonial through the contact page. 
you can check out our new video podcast series, which if you are watching this, you are doing right now. We release that on the Solid Listen podcast YouTube channel. That is always a mouthful to say. But the audio also goes on our main jam paper, uh, page. So wherever you're listening to podcasts, you can both hear the long form and the short form version of the show. If you want to buy the books of anybody who's been on the show while you're at our website, click on that bookshop link. When you do that, you support local and independent bookstores across the country. We get a little scratch back. If you're looking for a book to read, we have book reviews and we are putting up reviews of all the books that we've read of all the people that have been on the program as fast as we can. So if you're looking for something, that's a good place to get a recommendation. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter where you get book recommendations, reviews, podcast highlights, other things going on around the web. Lastly, you can support everybody on the Solid Listen Network by clicking on that Patreon button. And for just a few bucks a month, you get commercial-free episodes, special happy hours, and bonus content. Now, like I said, I'm really excited to have Nikki on the program. It is rare that I read a book and absolutely fall in love with it. I love books. I love reading. But it's like anything else. Like, not every book lands, um, even if I happen to like the book. Her first book, Nikki's first book, All in Her Head, it was just, I mean, I didn't put the goddamn thing down. Like, I, it was amazing. And I was, like, tweeting about it as I was reading and listening to sort of how, like, having done that first interview and, you know, like so many other writers, like, she wanted to be a writer but also didn't really know how to do that and so sort of took this circuitous track to becoming a writer. And that also makes the story so utterly charming because you know, writers become writers most of the time because they just don't stop. They don't really have a roadmap for how to do it, but they're just constantly like, this is a thing I have to do. And they sort of find ways to make that happen. So I'm really excited to help promote her second book. I'm really excited to catch up with her and find out what's been happening in the last year. Um, I really hope that she gets uh, to have some stuff in bookstores because having your first book come out in a pandemic is already a big enough pain in the ass. Having your second one still come out in a pandemic, also kind of a pain in the ass. So really excited for you to hear my interview with Nikki. Um, thank you for stopping by the bunker to spend some time with Max and I. I hope that you're taking care of each other. Hope things are going well. Make sure that you get your vaccination when you get a chance. Wear a mask, socially distance, do all of those things. Because if we can knock this out, we'll all be back in person again. And that's something we all want to do. But for now, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Nikki Smith. Both of your books came out in the pandemic. They did, yeah. <laughs> what are the chances, eh, Brad? Yeah, um... <laughs> and these are your first two books, right? First two books, yes, both in lockdown. So, um, yeah. Not not a not a very lucky author um, no. so far. Um, Did you get to do anything like? Because it was at the beginning of April, so I know that there were some things have lifted. Like, have you been to a bookstore or seen it in a bookstore yet? No, not yet. No, <laughs> um, no. I mean, the shops only opened here um, probably about a week ago. So, um, I mean, I think a lot of you know a lot of them are massively behind on kind of stock and things like that. So it'll be a while before it filters through. But I'm used to this. This happened last time as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I think it, second time around, they might be a bit more organized. So, um, yeah, it's amazing because and, you know, I've talked about this with every author, like it takes your whole life to write your first book. And then your second one, you really got like 12 to 18 months to get the second one. And you just happen to fall in that time of like, we're almost open, but we're not almost. open. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm just hoping it'll be third time lucky, Brad. You see, next year. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, that would be pretty great, right? Like, and also, as we know, as an author, back catalog is how you make money. So, like, get that back catalog now. <laughs> so, yes. so, what was it like? So, look what you made me do is the new book, and that that just came out in uh, at the beginning of April. So, what was writing that like in a pandemic? Because I have not been able to write anything. Have you not? Yeah, I mean, I think people have gone, authors seem to have gone one way or the other, really. Um, and I mean, some people have been unbelievably creative and they're just churning stuff out and, um, and other people have been completely frozen. I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of somewhere in between the two. Um, I, I didn't feel particularly frozen brain-wise, but I've got two teenagers and um, it went from everybody being out of the house all day to everybody being in the house all day. So um, although they're relatively independent when it comes to kind of homeschooling, they were on Zoom and, you know, in lessons yeah. most of the time, you've still got to feed them. You've still got to kind of, you know, be there and, you know, checking that everyone's still alive and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it kind of it, it, it changed my working day um, hugely. So um, I would have to get up really early basically before anybody else did um, and that was the kind of my one time of day when everything was quiet I had a bit of headspace tried to get the words down um, I definitely wrote less way less than I'd done I think the year before um, but I tried to have a word count of kind of 700 to a thousand words a day and tried to stick to that because I just thought otherwise I'm never going to make my deadline yeah so. and it's just to me it's so like as a writer I get so much of what I want to write about by being out in the world and like observing things and seeing something and having that question pop in the back of your head that you then can't get rid of. And you're, and so when you're in the house, you're just like, I got like three questions. Like, what does it mean to be alive? Which is really not a book that you can write, you know, like, is anything real is not a book I want to write. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes and just you're so right and and even little things like just you know sitting in a coffee shop and watching people and picking up on kind of bits of conversation yeah. and you know smells and all of that kind of thing it's very different when you're stuck in your spare room kind of you know looking at a blank wall kind of going oh you know day yeah. 74 yes where yeah. are we going to get inspiration this time yeah, yeah. and it's, I mean the inspiration it. really is nothing matters like that's the question like oh nothing society can fall apart in a minute okay that's not comforting <laughs> you know, like, I was sort of I had this illusion that things were better they're not better yeah, exactly. I mean, I had to stop watching the news. I found at the beginning, um, I was listening to the news all the time and I had to watch everything on TV and and that wasn't doing my kind of mental health any good whatsoever. So um, yeah. I, I stopped that after a while and just I, I just preferred not to just not to hear live in yeah. live in ignorance for, yeah. for a while. Yeah, I uh, my best friend and I, um, she and I did the same thing. Like, in fact, we turned off a lot of the alerts on our phones and stuff, too. It's like particularly when this last guy was in office here, like. You know, I've joked with all my friends overseas, like who would have thought Boris Johnson would have been the second craziest world leader? <laughs> like we well, was not anticipating that. And so every day was just an onslaught of terrible shit. And it's like when you're in a pandemic and trying to be creative and trying yes. to not literally lose your mind. Exactly. Seeing that stuff just constantly pepper you. You're like, yeah, fucking everything's terrible. Yes. I don't need an <laughs> alert. <laughs> So yes. is, is this another thriller? Like, is that where you're at now? Or like, suspense? Yeah. I don't yeah. like, what do you classify as that? Cause they're not really thrillers. Like the first one wasn't really a, it was like suspense. It was, it felt like yes. dramatic suspense. 
Yes, I think this is probably, you're, you're completely right. Their last one was definitely kind of psychological suspense yeah. as opposed to thriller. This is a bit more kind of thrillery. Um, it's still psychological suspense, I think. Um, but yeah, it's in that, you know, that genre yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's your, is that your wheelhouse? Like you seem to, that seems to be some, because all in her head was, uh, I said this in the introduction, like it was fantastic. I told you that it was one of, like those books are hard to write because there is a formula and like, you both try to subvert it, but also like people are expecting a thing. And that was unlike any book I'd ever read. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so when you sit there and that was, you know, like that was the first one so that you have your whole life to write that. So as you sit down to do the second one, I, this is, I don't mean this to be cheesy, but like, what was in your head? Like, what were you thinking about as you were like, okay, what do I do for the second act of this kind of stuff? As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think everybody... Well, every author I've spoken to anyway um, feels, you know, second books are a bit like second albums or yeah. something, aren't they? And, um, you know, I, I know that kind of publishers are often kind of nervous about getting second novels because 
especially if the first one has kind of been received well um there's so much to live up to um so yeah it was hard uh, definitely harder i found than writing the first one because as you say the first one there's no pressure you you have you know as long as you want to write it because no yeah. one's breathing down your neck you never know it's going to get published really so you know it's all in your control i think the second one was much more um i had a theme i knew i kind of found a theme reasonably early on that i knew i wanted to write about um kind of coercive control um which forms quite a lot of you know well it's the theme that runs through the second novel um so that was okay but kind of plotting and story um, yeah, it was a very different process to the first time I had to, I think I basically wrote it once and then kind of rewrote it really, um, you know, after having thought, oh, that's not too bad, you know, after the first draft and then kind of went back, read it again. And uh, it was like, yeah, no, that needs, you know, completely kind of redoing. Um, but I think that's maybe just the process that I'll, I'll kind of use for other books to, to write them as well, that you need to kind of write to the end to really understand your characters and yeah. get to know them before you can kind of go back and then tell the story how you want it to be. So I am. So my, my, you know, I do nonfiction. And when my writing partner and I finished the first edition of our first book, we both said what you just said, which is, well, now we know what the book's about, but it's been published. So <laughs> that kind of sucks. So when we did the second edition, we literally threw out the whole first edition and rewrote it from the ground up. Cause we're like, now we know what the story is. And this is one of those horrors that they do not tell writers. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, everybody says, you know, oh, you need to know your characters before you start writing. And you kind of think to yourself, well, of, co of course you do. Of course you need to know your characters. And you, you spend a lot of time thinking about it and planning it. And you think, right, I know my characters. I really know my characters. And then one, by the time you've been through that whole kind of, you know, writing it, they're completely different at the end to how they were at the beginning. And that's why you kind of need to often, I think, go back and yeah. rewrite it again. So, yeah. And it's, it's amazing to me that, I mean, because I know there are some people that don't who are able to sort of plot that stuff out. Like that just is not... That is not in my wheelhouse. Did you, and I've talked about the trauma of success on the show and like the first book was well received. And like, as you're sitting down to write and at, not even sitting down, but as you're doing it, like, are you thinking like, I did this trick in the last book? Like, is that like how much of that was seeping in? So you're like, I can't just keep doing this thing. <laughs> even though this thing works really well. Yes. yes. I mean, I think, I think that the second one was different because my all in her head has that big kind of twist about a third of the way through it i knew that wasn't going to be the case with book two because as you say you know you you can't unfortunately do the same thing in in every in every book that you write so so that i guess was easier in some ways that i knew it was going to be a very different book but i had to decide how it was going to be different i think and um you know i'm not really somebody who writes I don't think, maybe I will in future books, I don't know, but from kind of point A to point B all the way through, I like it to be a bit kind of twisty and have, you know, different timelines or different character perspectives in it. So the reader feels kind of unsettled and uh -huh. that you don't quite know where you are. Yeah. Um, and But that does take a lot of kind of plotting and planning to work out how that's going to work. So, um, I mean, I do I do plot. I did have everything kind of down on a spreadsheet. I, I knew, kind of knew where I was going, but it's still I still ended up rewriting. I think pretty much, you know, that first kind of 90,000 words, most of them were rewritten. <laughs> yeah. The big joke that people always say on the show is the only way to learn how to write a novel is to write a novel. And then once you do it once, it doesn't really help you write the next novel. 
that's so true and I think that's what you learn with that with that you know what everybody thinks once you've written one oh well that's okay you could just do it again you can just do the kind of same thing again but every single book is different you know yeah. I've just finished my third one actually which has just gone to my agent to have a look what? at um and uh and again it was you know it's a different process you know with that one um and and you each time you start you kind of be looking at a blank page thinking how did I do this last time so um yeah yeah, so you were already, I feel like the first time I interviewed you, you were working on this book and now you've just said this book's coming out and the third book's already in your agent's hands. Like that's uh, having gone from finance and sort of making that decision to do this to like cranking out books has got to be a little surreal for you. <laughs> it is. It is very well. I mean, the last the whole of the last two years yeah, outside of all of the other surrealness. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it, it, the whole process has been very surreal. And I think, you know, in, in some ways, when you, when you have to kind of focus on the, the positive side of things that have happened in the last two years, um, in, in some way, maybe it's a good thing. You know, it has that kind of time on my own, although I have had a house full of people. But, you know, the fact that you're not out, you know, mixing yeah. with other authors and doing things and you are kind of stuck in your house it does force you to kind of work really. And, um, you know, and, and I just wanted to, you know, write the best books that I could. So um, I've done that. I mean, obviously I don't know what will happen with, you know, book three yet because I had a two book contract. So we'll have to see if Iran want the third one. Um, but, you know, it has, it has let me do that. So yeah, that's, that's a positive, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is fantastic that you've been able to like transition into just doing that, like, and cranking stuff out like that's impressive three books and i mean it's been like what three and a half years four years like it's been yeah, pretty three, fast yeah i mean i guess i got the first i got my deal back in january 2019 but all in her head did still need some kind of editing you know and things yeah. after i got that deal so it's been yeah 2021 yeah kind of yeah three years yeah that's i mean that's amazing and like i know like doing it in a pandemic feels a little bit I tell everybody and I've told, I think I told you probably last year, like, do you have a party planned? Do I have a, do you have a party plan? Like for <laughs> June or July, like at some point you need to have a big blowout. Cause you're going to have a whole series of books and have not had a book party yet. So like, I, I know, need to, like, I know planning underway. I think, um, I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of Prosecco and uh, I might end up um, very hungover for a good few days, yeah. I think. Um, Set yeah, Twitter I think aside, like, yeah, give your phone to somebody else and like have a big ass party because one, I mean, it's, it is impressive enough to have a book come out and to finish a book. I think it is doubly so to do it under these conditions just because I just think it's hard to be creative and it's hard it to it's hard to have a um, routine when everything is the same. Like when you wake up in a routine, it's really hard to be like, well, it's 6 a.m. And now I have to sit down in front of this wall again. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think, you know, I think, yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a kind of routine that's forced on you that you don't want to be in. Yeah. Um, and and you you have no way of getting out of it and um and and that's the thing and and it's often it's not even like you're really on your own well certainly in in my case you know you're not on your own because i've got so many other people in my house as well yeah. that it's just kind of like you know times i wanted to go and lock myself in the shed at the at the end of the garden and if it wasn't 
wasn't for kind of you know being full of wood and bits of lawnmowers and stuff like that i probably would have done but um yeah it's just like i need some space and some yeah. inspiration as well yeah. so yeah. It's, i feel like this thing has ruined every like uh time loop time travel story and every like groundhog's day thing like well nobody's ever going to want to see that again because we all live and it's like <laughs> fuck it no 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 not going to the theater to see that at all <laughs> so give me the like quick because so when i when i read look what you made me do I have a very specific thing that I think is about this feels very much um, this feels like a really psychologically dark title. <laughs> so what's the story about? <laughs> it, yes, it is. Yes. I mean, it's actually a line that somebody says, one yes. of my characters says in the books and um, probably a bad guy, right? I'm assuming a, yeah, not a good, yeah, yeah, a good yeah. people don't ever say that. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. But I later found out after I'd, um, I, I came up with the title actually for this one, because it's something that the character says, but my teenage daughter told me it was um, a Taylor Swift song after I, after oh. I came out with it. And I was like, it is, there we go. Who knew? Yeah. So, um, yes. So it's, it's really, it's, it's a kind of, it's a book about the dark secrets that are hidden beneath the surface of a seemingly perfect family. Um, and I think the taglines, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. So um, it's does. about, yes. <laughs> so um, it's about two sisters, Joe and Caroline, who are in their late thirties um, and they've grown up, um, but they've never been particularly close. And then um, their father dies and leaves his inheritance entirely to Joe. Um, and it's really looking at what happens to the family after that particular incident and every character is is hiding something from each other as you find out kind of quite early on um, in the novel and it's kind of how those secrets come out and the repercussions all the way through the book is it primarily are, are the two sisters the main characters are they yes. sort of the people that it's interesting like hannah mary mckinnon had sister dear like there's i've read a couple of the thrillers last year of like the sisters like uh, Janelle Brown's, even though hers weren't sisters, they were like two people that didn't like each other, but then sort of did and kind of teamed up, but sort of didn't like. So I feel like this is going to be an interesting read of dark intrigue. Yes, yes, <laughs> indeed. So how, um... how fun was it? To, because like in a in a it will end with this, like in a time when like the routine is forced on you, is it sort of cathartic to just be like, well, I'm going to bring some terrible people together and like awful things are going to happen to them. And that is like kind of entertaining for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, I hadn't really thought of that actually, but um, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's certainly you know, it's it's a domestic setting, um, and I was certainly stuck in a domestic setting, so um, there's probably an element of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't have a sister. Um, I've got a brother who I get on quite well with. So yeah. um, so it's not yeah, it's not in any way based on um, based on me. Yeah. I never think, in fact, I've had this discussion with people. I never think any fiction and any of that stuff is ever based on people. I think that we have questions and things that pop up in our head and that's sort of what, and it's like, oh, everybody's sort of in this house. And like when you're, when you're surrounded by the same people all the time, like all the bullshit that you tell each other on a daily basis goes away because it's like, well, I'm on top of you 24 hours a day. So that's not true. Yes, right. Absolutely. Like, and I, and I, I like the fact I like exploring, I think, the kind of the way that um, people act, particularly in families towards each other um, and what what the other character, what other characters kind of see is not necessarily what's going on underneath the surface yeah. at all. 
So um, yeah. I think that's, I always think that's really interesting. Um, and although it's a family situation, um, you know, sometimes that can be the most dramatic um, kind of situation for secrets to kind of blow up in. So, yes. I mean, I found out I had a half sister when I was 17. So wow. like, yeah, the, that was older. That was older than my sister. So like this had been going on for a long time. And the joke that I've told with people is anytime one of my parents is like, uh, we have to talk. I'm like, fuck, like what's going to happen now? Like what new things about to come out? So I feel the premise of this book, like a little bit, maybe more deeply than I should. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Someday I'll write a book called we need to talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, Nikki, I am really excited to read this book. I just got it the other day. Uh, I posted photos of that online. Um, I loved All in Her Head, and I am—I can't wait to dive into this one. Thank you, Brad. Uh, it's lovely to see you again. It's lovely to catch up, and uh, we'll do it again when the third one comes out. Indeed. Absolutely. Yes. Have a great <laughs> yeah, I'll day. I'll be touring around the U.S. by then. Yeah, yeah. might get to meet you in person. That'd that be nice. Be that would be fan All my London folks, when they come to New York, I told them, like, I'm five hours away. Like, I will get on a bus and come down just to be like, oh, you on the other side of the screen. It's so nice. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Be wonderful. Wonderful yeah. when we can go in person. Yeah. Well, you take care of yourself and we'll catch up soon. I will do. Thank you. That was Nikki Smith. Her book, Look What You Made Me Do, is out as a hardback audio and ebook right now. Before we get out of here, just a couple reminders. If you like what you heard, do us those two favors we talked about at the top of the show. Leave us a review if you listen to Apple Podcasts. And tell your friends about us. While you're at it, don't forget to check out the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including Mother May I Sleep With Podcast with host and our Solid Listen Podcast queen, Molly MacLear. Don't forget, we got video podcasts coming out on the Solid Listen Network YouTube channel. We have two a week over the next three or four weeks. So make sure that you're checking that out. You can also catch the audio version wherever you listen to podcasts. And the jam is now out on Wednesday. So make sure you get yourself subscribed wherever you're listening to those podcasts and don't miss any of the authors we have on the show. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Till the next time, I will see you around the internet. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No, she was sent here anonymously. Uh -uh, not she. They, maybe? W wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?